Hello, and welcome to Rock Talk, the alternative geology podcast. My name is Sean Whipple, and I will be your guide this evening. A little bit about the ground we're going to cover. I don't have a degree in geology per se, but I have taken a couple math, physics, and chemistry classes, so I should be able to fill in the blanks here and there. Um, I am an avid hobbyist of all things rock, mineral, what have you. Uh, Dirt, in particular, has played a huge role in my life. Uh, When I was a kid, I'd just roll around in dirt for hours, you know, having a blast, just caked in the stuff. My nickname was Pigpen, (laughs) like from Charlie Brown. I was the kid that asked for coal for Christmas. I was that kid. And I feel that as someone who doesn't have a degree, who isn't qualified, who isn't restricted by the rigors of academia, you know, is this true? Is that false? Um, I am kind of given more free reign to talk about more subjects than, say, John Q. College degree can talk about. There are a lot of things in the geological field that the man doesn't want you to know about. There are a lot of seedy dealings on behalf of Big Dirt. Um, I'm also kind of dabbling in quantum physics in my spare time lately. So sometimes we'll be looking at geology in relation to, say, string theory, uh, Bernoulli's equation, uh, PEMDAS, all that good stuff, later on down the road. So the breadth of this podcast is going to be massive. Uh, I think you'll find the girth alone is impressive. I've done a couple test screenings and people are always commenting on the girth. For now, though, uh, I'd just like to set the tone for what we're going to be talking about today. Right now, pause this, go outside, pick up a rock, and tell me what you see. Most of my fellow rock hounds are going, Well, Sean, I see a simple homeostatic spiderweb of uh, metalloid subgranulated nonpolar carbon molecules, same as any other rock. And technically you're correct, but I invite you to climb with me onto the next plateau and then tell me what you see from there. What you diminutively call a rock, (laughs) I call a microcosm of pre-knowledge, a Trojan horse of cosmic history, if you will. Much like little NASA voyagers, within each and every rock is a timeline of the history of the universe. Throw me a rock right now be it from Boise, Idaho, or the Andromeda Galaxy, and I'll rock hammer that bad boy open, take one look at the exposed concentric rings, and be like, oh, yeah, Earth was born right here. Oh, and here's the Industrial Revolution. Here's your rock back. You're welcome. 
But I guess no one told Jesus that the earth isn't 5,000 years old. That's why whenever my Christian grandma posts some fundy bullshit link on Facebook, I always tell her, cool link, but I think I'll stick with reading my rock. <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson is a very accomplished black scientist who is known for achieving worldwide fame with a single tweet, which read, we are all descended from star stuff. I'd like to appropriate that a little bit and dive a little bit deeper. My tweet would have said, we are all descended from star matter, which then became rocks, period, post. Because you don't just go from star to human. There are a couple steps in between that I don't think Neil considered. One of those being rock, another perhaps being tree. Uh, human does come after star, I can't fault him there, pun intended, but it's not quite so point A to point B as he seems to believe it is. And it's not his fault, pun still intended, the guy's an astrophysicist slash tweeter, you know? He's not gonna know everything there is to know about everything. He's out of his jurisdiction. He might be able to tell you what the weather in the Crab Nebula will be next Monday, or how to get a thousand followers, but he's not the kind of guy you want testing your property for radon. Uh, radon is an aggressive rock that actually preys on man, which we'll get to later. It's kind of the Venus flytrap of the rock world. So, Neil, it was a good try. No one's saying you're wrong. It was just grossly misleading. And that's why I'm doing this podcast, because I'm just a guy, you know? I'm not one of these stuffed shirts that just come in the lab with their gold-plated test tubes and step on the little guy, you know? Kicking the lab door open with their monogrammed cowboy boots, western saloon style. Uh, my test tubes are wooden and held together by duct tape. I am the Bernie Sanders of the lab. I hate it when I go to the lab and to do some work and there's a Corvette parked outside. Like, oh great, Bill Nye is here to hog all the Bunsen burners. Or Ken Ham is here to titrate all the acids. I was finally going to ask Kathy for her number, but forget it. Not with those sharks around. I do love going to the lab, though. It's like going into Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, if all the wizards were making penis enlargement potions. But, you know, that's, that's what happens when you defund NASA and privatize scientific research, okay? Anyway, throughout the years, there have been many noteworthy rocks, uh... Hadrian's Wall, for example, was a very large pile of rocks that kept bloodthirsty Scottish barbarians out of Roman Britain. 
in fact, just recently, uh, the people of Britain voted overwhelmingly to bring the wall back. They decided integration wasn't effective, it wasn't working, and they just don't want to deal with those people anymore. <clears throat> I read a direct quote from Prime Minister David Cameron on the BBC website. Before the vote, he said, I'm sick and tired of babysitting these backwards, sheep-fucking Neanderthals. So, we'll see how that plays out. So those are some pretty famous rocks. Uh, controversial, but famous. Hadrian's Wall is kind of the Kanye West of the rock world. Uh, even the Statue of Liberty, when you look at it close enough, is just a pile of stinky French rocks. And yet, it is the greatest symbol of freedom in the world. So if you're listening to this podcast in English, thank a soldier. But... And maybe more so, thank a rock. So rocks are pretty important. Uh, I think anyone who's seen James Cameron's film Avatar knows just how important rocks can be. I mean, those guys fought a war over rocks. Uh, something about Avatar that a lot of people don't pick up on the first time but I, as a Geodude, picked up on immediately is the rock they're fighting over in Avatar is called Unobtainium. I'll let that sink in for a little bit. Uh, the script had a budget of $237 million. The rock they're having such a difficult time obtaining is called Unobtainium. Think about it. Speaking of war, what is war but just people shooting little rocks at each other to conquer larger pieces of rock? Countries and territories, you know? Follow the money. Another famous rock, or rather infamous rock, is the iceberg that sunk the Titanic, killing over 1,500 passengers. Mostly women and children. Kind of in a Herman Melvillian kind of way, symbolizing nature's defiance of mankind's domination over it. Like a daffodil growing between cracks in the sidewalk. So now that I've caught you, some of you up to speed, I'd like to check the suggestion box. What I do is I leave a public forum open to allow anyone to ask any questions they might have about rocks or the earth in general, you know, whatever. <clears throat> Let's see here. So we have this first one here from... I'm having a tough time deciphering this what appears to be written in crayon? Ah, from Cat, it says. Cat wants to know, does all dirt have microbes in it? No. Short answer, no. Uh, long answer, 
Uh, I feel like the answer to this question may be too much of a heady brew for a first episode, and I don't want to alienate any of the dumber listeners. So we'll come back to this at a later date. Uh, short answer, no. No. Next question, uh, and please, everyone, submit future questions in pen or a standard number two pencil should do just fine. Let's see. Patrick wants to know, I think there was a bit of a typo here, why are rocks so gay? I think what he meant to ask is, why are rocks so gray? And that's a very good question. Not all rocks are gray, but some of them are when they first solidify from molten star matter. What can happen is, over the course of hundreds of years, uh, if a rock is not substantially shaded by a tree, a shrub, or some other terrestrial biomass, uh, it can be baked from that all-too-familiar gunmetal gray into darker or lighter hues. So, rocks can be born gray, but some later choose not to be gray anymore. Kind of like humans. Good question, Patrick. Uh, one subject that I see a lot of people are asking about is in regards to actor-slash-wrestler Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I have questions about him and his acting career from someone named Joseph, someone named Biggie B, and a couple other people. Now, obviously Rock Johnson isn't the man's real name. Uh, it's just a stage name. Of course, rocks are known for being very hard, and with the kind of acting that Rock Hard Johnson does... It's not uncommon to choose an alias for yourself so that later on down the line, future employers, family, what have you, uh, won't know that you used to be a professional wrestler. And that's also why they wear those leather masks. It's sad that we live in such a puritanical society that frowns on that sort of thing, but there's no denying he's good at what he does. I've seen him take on two or three other greased-up men at the same time, you know? He knows what he's doing. Uh, I think if a big guy like that got me pinned down on all fours in an armbar, I wouldn't be sitting pretty for weeks. Alright, Bob from world-famous Weezer cover band Tequila Mockingbird wants to know, why do we call it rock and roll? <laughs> I love this question. Geologists love a good pun. I'll be honest here. A uh, little aside here. Geologists aren't at the top of the food chain in the science department. And I think that's why we have to develop a sense of humor to deal with our faults. How many times a day do you think I'm at the lab and I get my emotional shit kicked in by the physicists and chemists and guys like Ken Ham? The other day, some jag-off neuroscientist accidentally, and I'm using air quotes there, bumped into me and spilled his coffee all over my lab coat. You know what he said to me? 
It's not my fault. This happens to me every fucking day. Sometimes twice a day. And to be honest, nine times out of ten, with a zinger like that, I'm rolling on the floor laughing. I am R-O-F-L-ing. Because we geologists always love a good pun, no matter what. I could have just witnessed my dog jump off a 90-story building, and I could be crying my eyeballs out, screaming at God, and asking what I could have done to help. Why did I allow this to happen? And you could come up to me. All it would take, it's not your fault. R-O-F fucking L. My lab coat has probably soak, soaked up a gallon of macchiato by now. That's what those guys drink. It's totally brown. I just tell the other geologists it's mud from being out in the field, and they laugh, but I know they're going through the same thing, too. So, Bob, I won't fault you for abusing my suggestion box, but next time, let's leave the Jerky Boys routine at home, okay? <laughs> Alright, my manager is giving me the wrap-it-up signal, so I will do just that. Thank you for joining me today, and I hope you won't fault me for my wordplay. And rock on, my friends. Oh, 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 oh.